It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, part two of Daniel Jeremiah's conversation with the media about the 2020 NFL Scouting Combine. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. If you've been a listener to this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Bucks is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Buccaneers fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Buccaneers fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word ADVERTISING to 33777 or visit com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word ADVERTISING to 33777 or visit com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome to today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast. I am your host, David Harrison. If you listen to our episode from yesterday, then you know what's coming. Right now, it's part two of Daniel Jeremiah's conversation with the media about the 2020 NFL Scouting Combine. Again, not anything specific to the Buccaneers, but a lot of things that will impact the Buccaneers in the draft, as well as uh, some conversations about prospects that are also on the Buccaneers' radar. Uh, This one is actually fairly Eagles-heavy, but don't turn it off. It's still very interesting. You're still going to want to hear from Daniel Jeremiah. Honestly, anytime you have a chance to hear DJ talk about the scout process, the draft process, it's it's information, it's value added to your own water cooler conversations or whatever you're out there doing in relation to the NFL draft. Um, but but today, like I said, Daniel Jeremiah is also going to talk about a lot of players, including guys at the cornerback position, which may not be a first-round need for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but still a lot of guys that he's going to talk about that Buccaneers fans should be interested in hearing about. Uh, he's also going to get into some lesser-known players with some late-round or free agent value. Uh, and then he's going to talk about day two for defensive linemen. So if the Buccaneers don't get Derek Brown, Javon Kinlaw, Ross Blacklock, uh, who could they be targeting during the second and third rounds? Dan Jeremiah is going to talk about that, not in the Bucks vein specifically, but still he's going to drop some day two names that Buccaneers fans are going to want to pay attention to on the defensive line. Finally, questions about the combine itself. As we move deeper and deeper into technological advances, how do those things weigh in on things like the NFL scouting combine, the 40-yard dash, so on and so forth? And then DJ is going to share his thoughts on Florida State running back Cam Akers. I know there's a lot of Seminoles fans that are Buccaneers fans, so you're going to want to listen to that. 
But guys, we're not going to put any more delays on this thing. We're going to we're going to we're going to stop right here and send you to part two of Daniel Jeremiah's conversation with the media about the 2020 NFL scouting combine. Hey, DJ, um, you brought up the Eagles needing a wide receiver earlier in the first round, but they also need help at cornerback. Who are a couple of guys that you would peg on maybe day two? To kind of address the cornerback need or the safety need that they have. Yeah, it's it's a good group. Uh, when you start getting into day two, um, look, you got like AJ Terrell from Clemson, who's real tall, uh, lean, real real fluid. Um, he's somebody that plays a variety of techniques. There, he's a really good blitzer coming off the boundary too, uh, which would be fun for Jim Schwartz to play with a little bit. But he's a, uh, you know, he can be a little bit sticky when he has to work back downhill. Uh, but he's a tall, long, athletic corner. I think he's that late one, early two. You know, could end up slipping a little bit in the second round. We'll see what happens. Damon Arnett, I love Damon Arnett. Um, he's twitched up from Ohio State. Um, he can find and play the ball. He's a little bit tight, but you can play him and press. Um, he's somebody I think is going to go in the second round. Jeff Gladney from TCU, kind of, uh, you know, he's got some similarities to a Denzel Ward, uh, just undersized, real feisty. Um, he plays off. He's real fluid, very aware. Um, I watched the Iowa State game. was one of the games I flipped on with him, and, and it was a war watching him uh, go up against that wide receiver. So uh, he's another one in that range. The one that I think is going to go in the second round that's fascinating to me is is the corner from Auburn, uh, Igbenehi. I'm going to get that name right, but when we get to the combine, I'm sure I just butchered it. Um, but he's one that He's, he's just really explosive. He's a former wide receiver. He was a track guy. They moved him to corner. Really, really ultra twitched up. But he struggles to play the football. And that, to me, is, is my concern. He doesn't have any interceptions. He's always in phase in the right position. And then especially the LSU and the Alabama games, he just struggled to find and play the ball. So um, I think he'll get drafted in the second round based off traits. Um but there's uh, still some development to take place there. And then another name I would just throw in the mix would be, uh, you know, Diggs. We'll see what happens with, with Diggs from Alabama, who's got some, you know, he's got some Akeem Talib type skills. Um, question is just pure deep speed, but real fluid. You know, obviously Stefan, Stefan's brother there, the wide receiver with the Vikings. So uh, former wide receiver, kickoff returner, uh, really, really, really skilled athlete. The question is just how, you know, how is his deep speed? And he's just okay as a tackler. So it's a good group. I think if you want to take a corner in the second round, I think that's kind of the list of names you'd be choosing from, and I think there's a lot of good players in that group. Uh, I was just kind of wondering, what makes uh, Chase Young that once in a gen- uh, generational talent, but then also what can he do for the rest of the defense? How can he kind of unlock the Redskins' uh, defense if that's where he goes? Well, I think when you just when you watch the watch the last few games of the season, you can see the benefit that he has for everybody else up front and just creating one-on-ones. Um, he draws so much attention. And, you know, I feel like it's interesting because I've used the phrase, you know, generational talent. Um, it, when when I, I say that, I've, it almost feels like it's a slap in the face to, to what Ohio State's done because when you look at the Bosa brothers and how good they are, um, you know, I, he's in that he's in the group with those guys. So I, I do want to clarify that. He is the, he's the best player in this draft class. I actually had a little bit higher grade on Nick coming out than Chase. Um, I had a higher grade on Chase than Joey. Obviously, Joey's been a you know he's been a, a Pro Bowl perennial Pro Bowl player. He's outstanding, but he he's he's one of those type of guys. And the impact he has, not only is he uh, you know he's going to win his one on ones when he gets them, but he's going to create so many double and triple teams his way. It's going to be able to to let the other guys eat a little bit. So when you can pair him up 
you know, we look at Washington and Montez Sweat. Montez Sweat going to see nothing but one-on-ones, and he's going to have a chance to have a huge year if this is the pairing that ends up coming together. Hey, Daniel, just wanted to compare and contrast uh, the draft chances for a couple of running backs from Daytona Beach, uh, Appalachian State, Darrington Evans, and UCS Adrian Killens, the type of schemes they roll, schemes and roll them best fit, and, and what grades do you have on both of those kids? Yeah, sure. Obviously, uh, one, one of them's uh, close to my heart there. When you talk about Darrington Evans at my alma mater, App State, um, He's outstanding, man. He, he's got big time, big time juice. Both these kids, obviously, Killen's a track star, um, so you know he's got juice. But Darrington, uh, he's going to go much higher. He's got a chance to go in the third round range. Um, you know, you, the first tape I popped on was UNC Charlotte. He goes 87 for a touchdown. You know, I remember, you know, just paying attention to him as a obviously a fan of the team, having gone there, a you know, Penn State game. He has a long kickoff return against them his freshman year. Um, he, you know, zone scheme, one hit and go. If you look at Raheem Mostert, what he did in the in the last few games with the 49ers, to me, this is the same kid. This is the exact same skill set. So if you are in that that Shanahan system, the Shanahan scheme we're seeing all over the league right now, um, he's going. Th- those teams are going to love him because he can get lateral, one foot in the ground, get up field and explode. Um, he needs to get better in pass protection. He knows that he's got to get a little bit stronger, um, but he's going to be involved in the screen game, and you get a crease, he's going to go. So I'm a big fan of his. I think he, again, I I think he's got a chance to be a third-round type player. Uh, Killens, I was a little surprised. I don't think he's going to the combine, um, which was surprising. Now, he's he's obviously really little. He's at the East-West. He was 5073, so 5'7 and 3'8", 162 pounds. Um, but he's a 200-meter champ in the state of Florida. He's got quick feet. Um, you get to the perimeter, he's gone. He just... I wrote down my comparison. I wrote DeAnthony Thomas and the kind of career he's had, spot play, use him on special teams, kind of more of a, almost kind of a gadget player. Um, but at 162 pounds, as you can expect, there's not a lot of play strength. Um, so I, I think he's a, he's going to be a late-round pick. He might even be an undrafted free agent. Um, but if you want to bring in somebody that's that's got some pop and some juice um, and kind of create some a role for him in a gadget variety, that's that's what you're going to get there with Killens. Hey, DJ, what are your expectations for Tua's stock at the Combine, and, and how high do you think he, Herbert, and Love, all three of them, could rise between now and the draft? Well, I mean, with Tua, it's just medical, you know, and it's not – his stock is not going to be impacted by what gets out in the media because what gets out in the media is going to get out for a reason. So I, I don't know that we're going to know where that's at, but I, I know that each individual team's doctors are going to get a chance to, to see him and, and, and find out what's going on there with the hip. and. You know, it's just different. A hip is different than an ankle and a knee. Um, it, that's what, you know, obviously for good reasons concerns a lot of people. So you're going to get your doctors, get a chance to, to see where he's at. He'll come to the recheck, um, get another look at him. I'm sure teams will want to bring him in uh, and even look at him more there. So um, that information, I'll be surprised. The only, the only reason that information will get out is if a team wants to get it out, uh, hoping that somehow uh, he would end up dropping. So, uh, that's going to be interesting to see what happens with him on the medical front. I don't anticipate we'll get many answers there. Uh, but I do think, provided long-term health, there's no concerns, I think teams would be okay with if they said he has to redshirt for a year, he can't play next year. I think if you're picking up there and you're, you know, Miami, the Chargers, you know, Panthers, I know Detroit's even, you know, considered it. I think if, uh, you know, that would not impact your decision. If they said he wasn't going to play year one, but he would return to full health, I think if you like Tua, 
that would not bother you at all. So uh, that's the question with him. And then with uh, you know with Herbert, I'm you know that one's tricky. I, teams teams are split. There's some teams that really like Justin Herbert, and there's some teams that are not high on Justin Herbert. I I have him you know just in my personal list kind of down a little bit. I have him beneath Love, and I have him kind of outside that top ten range. But I think when you look at the Chargers having a need there, uh, you know, five, six, seven, you've got Dolphins, Chargers, Panthers, that's kind of quarterback alley. I think there's a chance we see two of the quarterbacks go in those three picks, and I think the third one will go somewhere in the next group when you're talking about the uh, the Raiders, the Colts, and the Bucks, 12, 13, 14. So you got a quarterback at one. I think we'll see two go between five and seven, and I think we'll see one go between 12, 13, and 14. Um so that's how I would kind of see that shaking out. Thank you very much. Hey, Daniel. Um, actually, my question is Eagles-related. Um, someone asked earlier about, like, you know, defensive backs in the second round, and I guess my question is, like, how do you balance the fact that obviously they need a wide receiver and a defensive back with maybe, you know, thinking there might be more depth at wide receiver in the second round. Like, you know, how, how do you, if you're Howie Roseman, how do you go about, you know, figuring all that out? Well, I think, first of all, we got to start with free agency. You know, we'll see. If they uh, they end up making a move to free agency at one of those positions, then that, that could free up. You know, I think, you know, when you look at the free agent group, I think it would be more likely they would get a corner in free agency, which would really free them up to take, you know, big-time impact receiver in the first round. Um, you know, so I that to me will go a long way in figuring out what the heck they're going to do with their first round pick. But I think there's I think there's a good pool of, of there's a great pool of receivers to choose from outside the first round. And I think even corner wise, going through that list of names we went through a little bit earlier, um, there's guys that'll come in and start and help the team right away. So I I think it's a situation where you just true to your board. Who do you have the higher grade on? I don't think you have to play the supply and demand game um, if you're the Eagles because those two positions, I think you'll you'll be happy with what you get in both rounds. Just take the, the higher-rated player in the first round. All right, thank you. Hey, Daniel, I'm just curious about the four uh, Nebraska players at the Combine coming up. I guess how would you evaluate the draft stock of Lamar Jackson and Darian Daniels, and then what can a couple of defensive linemen like Khalil Davis and Carlos Davis do at the Combine to improve their standing? Yeah, I mean, let's start with uh, with Lamar Jackson. Um, for those listening, no relation. Um, he's uh, look. You love the size. He's he's over six two. He's two hundred six pounds. I I just had a question about you know some of the twitch and explosiveness with him. He's you know he can really play the ball up in the air, but there was a lot of separation when I watched him on tape. So uh, that to me would would be interesting to see him. Just does he have that? Does he have that real burst. Um, I have him in kind of the later rounds right now, so uh, we'll see what he does there. Um, with the other one, you say Darian Daniels, you know, plays that nose. I have a higher grade on Darian Daniels than I do on Lamar Jackson, but he's um, doesn't have a lot of pass rush, but he's he's got some range in the run game. He's got quick hands. He's got some knockback, just kind of push the pocket right now. Um, but in a league right now, as much as the ball's being thrown around, um, the fact that he doesn't really rush the passer, uh, to me, he's a, you know, I have him kind of in that six-round range uh, for me. And then the other two defensive linemen with Khalil Davis and Carlos Davis. Um, you know, Khalil, I have a higher grade on him than on Carlos. Um, Khalil, he's, uh, he's got the ability to kind of widen and bull. He's got some power. Um, I thought he needed to play inside. They played him outside. I, I, I like to see him uh, exclusively there on the inside. But he's got some shock in his hands. 
um, there's something to work with with him. Again, kind of a, a late-round guy. And then with Carlos, um, he just plays too high and gets uprooted, um, likes to kind of stack and peak, and uh, I like to see him just kind of fire off the ball and play a little bit lower to the ground. So uh, I had an undraftable uh, free agent grade on him. Hey, Daniel, we've seen a pretty wide range of price tags to trade up for the quarterback into the top portion of the first round. You know, the big discrepancy between RG3 and Sam Darnold trades, for instance. How does Tua Tungavailoa's medical concern affect the possible compensation for a trade-up, say, into that third spot with the Detroit Lions? Well, I, I think it's <laughs> it's a huge part of it, and it's it's because what – you know, if you're if you're if you're making the gamble to go up there and get him, you're 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 betting your job. So you better you better know that his health is 100. percent And I think if you are iffy on his health and there's concerns there and there's major issues, you know, it's one thing to take him. Um, it's another thing to sacrifice a good portion of your draft to take him. So I, I do think that's going to have a, a major impact. Now, if he comes through this combine um, and comes through the medical recheck and they say, man, he's just we have no concerns whatsoever, and your medical people are fine. Um, I think you'd see, uh, you know, a more aggressive compensation, you know, for a team trying to get up there and get him. So uh, I, I think it's a it's a great point. You'll know, you know, if a trade does go down, you'll know that uh, that the medical information came back very solid based on the return that they get. Okay, thank you. How you doing, Daniel? Um, could could you talk about Good. just? Um, addressing the Jaguars' defensive needs. And in your mock draft, you had Isaiah Simmons. And why would you think he would be a good fit and you, you have him at safety and, and not linebacker? You can address those two things, please. Well, he he can do – yeah, start with him. I mean, because he can do anything. I mean, we had the same, we had the same debate about Derwin James when he was coming out where some teams had him as a will linebacker, some teams had him as a strong safety I, you know, I've talked to a bunch of defensive coordinators in the off season and and posed this question to them about: Are we heading? Are we going to start heading towards a positionless game, where you know you see guys on offense like Debo Samuel who are playing in the slot but can also kind of almost function as running backs? Um, you see guys like Derwin James who could just darn where uh, darn near play every single position on the defense. But when you have offenses trying to manipulate personnel and get certain groups on the field. Uh, like the Ravens have done a masterful job of doing, where they've got the, the tight ends that they can put you in certain sets and then they can split the tight ends out, you better have more versatile players that can do multiple things. So with a guy like Isaiah Simmons, whether you want to list him as a linebacker or a safety, I just know you plug him into that defensive scheme and week by week you can deploy him in different ways depending on what the strength of your opponent is. So that that's why he has so much value. And you know, putting these guys in little position boxes um, I think that's going to go away eventually. You're just going to see getting your athletes on the field and deploying them in different ways um, on a week by week basis. Uh, when I look at you know other needs for them, you know I, I think you could you can make a strong case in the secondary either either uh, corner or at safety. You know I think they got needs both places. So uh, finding some some real speed and athleticism in that back end, especially when you look at the division and you, you know when you look at Deshaun Watson and, and you're going to be dealing with a lot of speed with that team. Uh, for the next decade, you better get faster and more athletic at the special, the second, and the third level. Hi, Daniel. Uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts on how, what uh, you feel the talent level at Michigan State has been in recent years, and have you seen a drop off from where it was when when the program was at its peak in the middle part of uh, this past decade? Yeah, I mean, I, I would have to go back and really look at it. Um, you know, it's it's. Uh, 
it's been kind of a middle it's been kind of a middle late round group you know recently mm-hmm. uh, you know it just kind of is what it is i'm looking at my players that we've got that i've done so far um you know i like you know josiah scott and raekwon williams those are the good players but they're not in my opinion they're not first second day guys um so yeah i mean i think you can make the case that it's fallen off a little bit but it's also a program that's been noted for you know with antonio for most of his career there is just good physical tough smart college football players um so that's you know his job not necessarily to put those guys in the nfl is to win games at the college level and they've done that with some good college players that not necessarily uh translated as well um to the next level especially from an athletic standpoint but you know going back to the years where it felt like we had a michigan state corner you know every year uh way up there uh yeah i mean i I would assume there's been a pretty significant drop-off. All right, Daniel. The um, question was about the 49ers. They have uh, pick, obviously, at number 31, but they don't pick again to the uh, fifth round. Um, you know, possible draft needs for them are at wide receiver and cornerback, based on what you said about the depth of that, uh, those positions. Would it seem logical and maybe behoove them to be able to trade back and collect picks and still get a quality, you know, say, corner or wide receiver? I think it makes a ton of sense. Um I I'd almost be surprised if they didn't do that. You know, when you when you've got um, you know, where where they're picking at 31 is always kind of a popular trade pick because teams um especially if you want the quarterback. Now we'll see how I haven't dug into the new CBA if this thing passes or not and how that will impact the you know, the fifth year situation, but um the, traditionally over the last several years that's been a popular pick to, you know, you can get out of if you're San Francisco and teams will come up. So, um that that to me makes more sense to recoup some picks. They're really light in picks. They've got a really good personnel department there. Uh, you know, with John Lynch, Adam Peters, and and uh, Martin Mayhew, they they do a really good job, as we can see, identifying players. So um, the strength of this draft, I think there's a lot of depth. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them trade back a couple times and really try and restock with some of those middle round picks, um, and they can go find some players at the you know. Especially in the secondary, you'll find some really good players in round two and three. Yeah, Daniel, assuming uh, Derek Brown, Kinlaw, and Black Blacklock are the three uh, interior linemen that go in the uh, first round, what's day two look like for uh, interior defensive linemen, particularly uh, you know the twitchy three technique type guys? Yeah, um, I, I think there's some some interesting names in that mix. Um, I think Gallimore from Oklahoma. What do you see this guy test? I mean, I, I talked to him at the Senior Bowl. He's he's a fascinating story. Growing up in Canada, kid was dunking at the age of 13. I mean, he's going to put on a show at the combine. He's he's going to run really fast. He's going to he's going to jump out the gym. So, somebody that can get in a, in a gap and get upfield and and uh, you know play in that scheme, he makes a lot of sense. Uh, Matt Abuike from from A and M is he's played more kind of a power knockback style there at A and M, but I think he's more athletic. Um, he's got a chance. Um, I think Jordan Elliott is is, uh, is somebody that can play on an edge in that scheme and get upfield. Um, James Lynch from Baylor, who played on the edge, but I think is going to kick in. Um, he's somebody else. He just he's got some first step quickness. He's very productive. Um, he could make some sense there. I'll give you one more. Uh, Devon Hamilton from Ohio State. Um, he didn't get as many opportunities there because they were so darn talented on that front. Um, you know, to really rush the passer. Usually he was congratulating Chase Young after he just got off the quarterback because he got there so fast. Um, but this kid's got some upfield ability. He showed that at the Senior Bowl. I think he'll be a better pro player than a college player. Um, he's, you know, 
I think he's probably more in the third-round range, but he's somebody that can get on an edge and get upfield. Hey, Daniel, thanks for doing this as always. Uh, when, you, when you look at Okuda and when you put a grade on him, where does that grade um, compare to some of the other cornerbacks, the top-end guys that have come out in maybe the last half-decade or so? He's way up there. Uh, I was just looking at that the other day, and the, the one that I had a higher grade on um, was Lattimore. I think that, that that might be the only one. I mean, he's he's got I've got a big grade on him, and he's he just does everything. He does everything you'd want in terms of a size, length, twitch, competitiveness, um, intelligence, ball skills, toughness. I mean, he, he checks all the boxes. So, yeah, he's he's you know I would say just beneath Lattimore in terms of my college grade over the last you know if I have to go back and look at it, but I don't know how many years that'll go back, but it's way up there. And, and as a player. Um, when you're trying to figure out, okay, who does he remind you of? It's it's Gilmore, it's Stephon Gilmore. When he was coming out of, of South Carolina, he went a little bit later than he should have. Obviously, defensive player of the year, um, but we've seen we've seen what type of talent he has, and this kid has that type of ability. Hey, Daniel, uh, you kind of touched on a couple guys briefly earlier, but I was wondering who, what Michigan State guys you have the uh, highest grade on, and what your evaluation of uh, Kenny Willicus is. Sure, I have uh, Josiah Scott is the top one. Um, you know, with the he plays outside, and he's going to be a nickel. Um, he's got makeup speed. He can pattern read. He's really fluid. He can find the ball. Um, he just got outsized a little bit on the outside, loses some of those fifty-fifty balls. But um, you know, he's somebody that that I have as the top guy, and that's you know, he's probably in that fourth round range for me. Um, Raquan Williams, right beneath him. You know, he can play the one and the three technique. He's he's got the ability to collapse the pocket he's all power and bull rush um he just doesn't have a great get off and he's a little bit stiff um so i had him those are the top two guys and willikis i had beneath those guys uh, more effort than really twitch and explosiveness he kills tight ends man he loves to play over tight ends does a great job against them um has a little you know long arm he can bull rush but uh i just didn't see a ton of twitch or a ton of burst with him um, although I'll give him credit, he he did some good things out in, in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. So I had him uh, in there, and then you've got you know a couple guys out underneath him with you know Lewerke. I don't I don't anticipate that he'll get picked. Um, Cody White uh, is, is a kick returner. He just has a lot of drops when I studied him. Thought he was more of a one speed player. And then uh, Batchy, you know, you have the um, you know what happened with him missing games, which which you know about. And then uh, I thought he did a good job directing traffic. He could float and sort and fill and make some plays there. Uh, I just thought he had really average speed and range, and and I didn't anticipate he would get drafted. Um, Daryl Stewart, another wide receiver who I thought was a you know a free agent who's you know good on bubbles and tunnel screens. He can work some in the middle of the field. I just didn't see a lot of juice. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Daniel, for doing this. Um, I guess just kind of a big picture sure. question for you. You know, you look at Baltimore and Kansas City. <clears throat> excuse me, they've uh, molded their offenses into really powerful forces with great offensive lines and then good skill talent around. Uh, you know, their their top quarterbacks. Just from talking to people, um, team officials around the league, do you get a sense for you know whether teams are valuing um, skill position talent and offensive line talent um, any more than the other, and has that changed at all in, in recent years? Yeah, I mean, I was talking to somebody about this, you know, a couple months ago, and I I posed the question to him and uh, with the personnel director and said, you know, tell me all the tell me all the great teams with bad offensive lines and tell me all the bad teams with great offensive lines. Like it's 
at some point in time, it's not complicated. The teams with the good offensive lines, you got a high floor every year. It's uh, they're going to keep you competitive, and it's going to give you a chance to win each and every week. So, I don't know that offensive lines ever been more important than it is right now. Um, when you look at the investment with these playoff teams, what they've done in the offensive line, uh, it sticks out like a sore thumb. So, you, you better invest, and that's you know that's with with high picks, that's with free agents. Um, but you need to take care of your offensive line. I think that's first and foremost. And then, um, you know, after that, you know, you look on the defensive side of the ball, it's, uh, you know, it's, you're trying to find dynamic playmakers, and the, the skill talent that's coming in on offense is going to continue to get faster and more athletic. Um, that's what the college game is, and that's made its way to the NFL. So you better have linebackers that can run all day long and cover, and you better have safeties that can be, you know, interchangeable, can play high, can play low, uh, and can really run in range. So uh, I think it's 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 what it's turned into. It's it's having good offensive line play. You want to have edge, a couple edge rushers, and you better have speed everywhere else. That's that's kind of how you're you're building teams right now. Hey Daniel, I've heard you talking a lot about the importance of the offensive line and regarding the Browns. So my question is, at ten. Is it an no-brainer for you thinking tackle for the Browns, or would you consider an Isaiah Simmons there or even a pass rusher if they let Olivier Vernon go? Yeah, I mean, look, you can make you can make cases for a lot of those positions. I feel like I just kind of keep saying some of the same thing with all these different teams. If you have a tackle that you really like, you've got a young quarterback in Baker Mayfield. This is a big year for him. Um, and I, I think it'd, it'd be hard to go in any other direction. Now, if you have a much higher grade, which – which I love Isaiah Simmons. He's a great player, and I have him, you know, right now on this list. He's my fourth player. Um, whereas you look at, you know, somebody like a Jedrick Wills is is down there as my eleventh player. So if you're going strictly off the board, you'd say Isaiah Simmons. But you know, I, the grades are close enough where you know I, I think I would value for the, this Browns team um, protecting my quarterback with the left tackle. So that's that's the direction that that I would lean and I would go is is let's get that figured out. You've got to be able to evaluate your quarterback to fairly do that. You've got to protect him. And I think that's kind of the that's kind of the boat that a bunch of these teams are in with these young guys. You've got young quarterbacks. If you look at the young quarterbacks that have been successful, for the most part, a lot of them have, have had good offensive line play around them, and that's been a huge benefit in their growth. So uh, I, I'd like to see them give Baker Mayfield that benefit. Thanks, Daniel. Um, uh, with the Patriots obviously having such a need, at tight end this off season, uh, who in in this class can you see as as being a good fit uh, for their offense? Well, I, again, I I think there's three. Uh, I think you can make a strong case for three of them with uh, you know Cole Komet from from Notre Dame, who's a big physical. He's the one that if you're saying okay, who who looks like Gronk and who you know kind of has that physicality to him, uh, it would be Komet. Now he's not nearly as athletic as Gronk. Um, but he's somebody with that big catch radius. He's tough to tackle. He's big and physical and strong, um, and he's, he's good in the run game. He can create some movement there and help you. So he's a nice uh, he's a nice two way tight end there. And then you know Adam Troutman. I've talked a lot. I haven't talked a lot about him today, but the kid from Dayton is uh, he's six five. He's two hundred and fifty pounds. Um, obviously a small school. Was a high school quarterback. Switches a tight end. Now his position coach at Dayton. Uh, was also a high school science teacher. So this kid, you know, he's he's going to just continue to get better and better. And the crazy thing is he's really polished. Um, he knows how to set up defenders. He can separate. He's got wiggle. Um, he wins a lot of 50-50 balls. 
he had a great senior bowl week. I thought uh, he was outstanding there. I thought he was the best tight end down there, which is it was a good group. And he's somebody, I think, for the Patriots to give you a little bit more separation and athleticism at the position. Um, you know, I can make a strong case for that. And then Harrison Bryant uh, from FAU, who was there at the Senior Bowl with him, um, talked about him a little bit earlier. But he's, again, somebody that with some burst and some juice. Um, he's a real athletic, easy mover and was better in the run game than I anticipated he would be. Um, not quite as heavy um, and not quite as big as, as Troutman and Komet, but uh, he's somebody give him a little more athleticism in there. So... I think any of those three guys, uh, I think any any of the three would be great players. And then if you want to go down around and you start getting into, you know, maybe more in that late two, you know, into the third round, if you wanted move tight ends, like kind of H-backs, um, you know, kind of could do some fullback stuff if you wanted, uh, there's the three names that I really like are uh, DeGuara from Cincinnati, um, who's who's really, really explosive and athletic. Uh uh, Tam Powell from uh, from Portland State, some very similar type players, and then Hunter Bryant from Washington, who's who's to me is a lot like a guy like Gerald Everett if you've seen him play with the Rams. So those three guys I think are all kind of riding together. They're all six two and a half, two hundred forty five pound type guys, um, and I think that's that move tight end that that uh, H that you're looking for uh, to fill that role. Hey, Daniel, thanks for your time. Um, a lot of mock drafts have said Jerry Judy to the Raiders at 12. Others have said C.D. Lamb. For John Gruden's offense, who do you think fits his style more? He likes his wide receivers to know all the positions, um, just their knowledge and IQ of the game. Who do you think is a better fit? Well, I mean, I, 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 it's tough to answer that question because they're, they're, I have them touching each other on my sequence list. They're, they're a little bit different styles, but I think both of them would fit beautifully in that system. I mean... You know, Jerry Judy, it's just what do you value a little bit more? And I think you can make a case for either guy. Jerry Judy, you're going to get a little bit more separation. Um, you're going to get a little bit more route polish, which you could say that fits Gruden really well. Um, he's going to, I think he's going to primarily play inside. I think he's going to be a slot. Um, but then when you when you look at CeeDee Lamb, I think you get a little bit more of an outside guy. You can play inside, but I think I'd, I'd like to keep him outside. Um, and then you're going to get a little more physicality and toughness run after catch with him. So he's a little bit more of a contested catch player. So if I'm, if I'm looking at, you know, how does it fit with them, if you wanted a Z receiver um, and then maybe somebody that could click, come inside of the slot, I mean, I, gosh, I, I guess I would, I would lean towards Jerry Judy on that one um, for those, for those two, two factors there. I think, I think CeeDee Lamb... Um, I'm probably going to play him outside, but he could he could do a little bit of everything as well. Thank you. Hey, Daniel. Uh, obviously, the Ravens want to improve in the wide receiver area. Uh, is there any value at the bottom of the first round as far as wide receivers you see in this year? I think so, James, and I can find them in every portion of the draft. Um, but in terms of you know guys that would make some sense for the Ravens, I, I, I look at them as, as getting guys with, again, I talked about last year building a track team around him. Uh, around Lamar Jackson, and they did that um, at the wide receiver position last year with Hollywood Brown. I, I would go back and get more speed and just continue to add more speed. Look what the Chiefs have done. Um, I would double down. And I think, you know, uh, LaVisca Chenault would be a fun toy for them. Um, somebody that can, you know, play, be in the slot. You can use the, you know, the, the fly sweep stuff with him. You could put him in the backfield with Lamar, hand him the ball. He's done that a bunch at Colorado. Um, for a create for a creative offense, and there's none more creative than Greg Romans. Um, Lavisca Chanel will be a heck of a lot of fun. Uh, 
I put down like this kind of list of guys in this draft, and uh, I just wrote finding Debo. Like that's going to be a theme for a lot of these teams when you when you talk to them around the league. Lavisca Chenault, Brandon Ayuk, um, Lynn Bowden uh, from Kentucky, who played some Wildcat for them, but is is going to be that fly sweep guy. Um, and Duvernay from Texas, we've talked about. I would even throw you know Michael Pittman from USC. Uh, obviously, his dad was a running back, but those guys are guys you can use. And, uh, and run the jet sweep stuff. They can run on, get on top of coverage and make plays down the field, and they're just tough to, to get on the ground with the ball in their hands. So um, finding somebody with maybe some physicality to go along with their speed to complement Hollywood Brown in this offense, um, it would be fun to watch. Thank you so much. Hey, Daniel, it's kind of piggybacking off of Jameson's question, but is the Bills' need for a wide receiver so dire that they can't afford to pass on one of the top options, or – Will they be able to find somebody to immediately impact their offense in the second round or even the third round? No, oh, they can wait to the third round if they wanted to and still find guys that will come in and help them this year. It's so deep and so loaded. Um, and, and I think th- that offense is another one that could use this type of a player that we just discussed of guys you can use on some of the, you know, get them some of the bubbles, some of the easy completions, some of the fly sweeps, you know, all that stuff. I think they could find, you know, one of these guys outside the first round that would help them there. But, um no, I don't think, you know, when you look at Buffalo and the direction that they could go, I think finding an edge rusher, you know, finding another corner, an interior offensive line, um, you know, that wouldn't that wouldn't be a bad way to go early. You could always circle back and get yourself a wide receiver. It just comes down to whether or not they love one. Um, if you absolutely love one and you want to get them, you know, go get them. But I think you can make a, a strong argument that they could uh, they could hold off and wait on that one. Hey, Daniel, thanks for doing this. Um, I have a question more about the combine sure. itself. Um, you know, with, with the era of football we're in now, there's so much more information coming to these teams, whether it's pro football focus, player tracking, et cetera, et cetera. Where, where does something so basic like the 40 fit into that player evaluation now in the draft? Has has the sort of era of information changed, um, you know, what the 40 means to the teams as far as it, it's part of an evaluation of players? Well, I'm excited that we're starting to see some changes in some of the field testing. And I think, you know, the 40, the value in the 40 has been that we've just done it for so long that you can compare it, you know, going back, you know, forever to to compare players and to to have kind of that marker. Um, So that's where the value is. I think that's where the uh, hesitation is to change. But with all the GPS stuff, um, with the, I think it's the catapult system, that all these NFL teams and, and uh, college teams are incorporating all this GPS. And I, I talked to more guys on the road this year, more scouts, that when you're going into schools, they're starting to get, um, you know, top speed, MPH, acceleration, deceleration. They're starting to, to collect the data on that with these guys, and they're going to eventually get enough of a, of a, a sample size. They're going to be able to find out what really matters there. And I, I, I hope I'm still doing this. I hope I'm still up there with, with Rich Eisen in the booth and we're talking about a guy that just ripped off a 24-mile-per-hour run instead of saying he ran a you know a 4-3-2 or whatever it was. Um, I think that's kind of where it's headed, and we can talk about just the, the explosiveness that they had and in, in, uh, in the ability to decelerate. I think, I think that's going to end up being more valuable information. And, you know, I, I'm glad you mentioned uh, – uh, with Pro Football Focus, too, because I think some people think that you're either kind of a tape person or you're uh, analytics or you want to put PFF in that, that category. I, I've 
I personally have really enjoyed being able to incorporate a lot of the PFF data that they collect with your evaluation. And I think um, instead of in scouting saying in a meeting when you say this guy drops too many balls and then you have the information there to say, well, he's got a 12% drop rate to give actual data that's accurate, um, that is huge. Um, and it's made scouting way more efficient as well. There's the program now where they, you can tie in um, you know, the, the video that you get, the teams get, which I'm fortunate enough to get, that ties in with, with pro football-focused data. So you can watch. You know, a guy drops balls, I can watch all of his drops for the year. You know, how does a corner play the ball in the air? I can watch every single target just like that of every time he was challenged down the field. The technology has made scouting uh, so much better, and when you combine the technology, the the data with groups like PFF, and then watching the tape, I think that's it's it's really exciting, man. I'm I'm excited for where for where scouting is right now, for where it's going. Thank you. Hey Daniel, I just wanted to get your thoughts on uh, Cam Akers, the Florida State running back, and kind of how how do you view him with the rest of the running backs in the draft? Yeah, he's he's talented, man. I. I've got him, you know, I kind of broke down the running backs coming into this combine. I had him in, in different tiers. He's in my second tier. So I had Swift, uh, Edwards, Alaire, and Dobbins in my top tier. And then I have Taylor and Akers, Taylor from uh, from Wisconsin and Akers, just right below that. Um, he runs really hard. Obviously, he's a five-star kid, all the accolades coming into school. Um, but use him in some Wildcat stuff. Um, he, he runs through contact. He's strong. Um, he catches the ball out of the back backfield. Um, he's got good patience. Uh, he'll press and bounce. He's got a good feel for that. He just he doesn't. I don't believe he possesses that elite elite top speed. It'll be interesting to see how he runs there in uh, in Indy. But you know, if you told me if you told me four years from now that Cam Akers ended up being the first or second best back in this draft, I would not be surprised at all. Um, I think he's really talented, and I think he's got a chance to. Um, start getting more in the conversation. They just weren't any good. Florida State wasn't any good. And sometimes when you're a player that's on a, a team and a program that's in the place that that program was at last year, uh, he had all the reason in the world to shut it down, and he didn't do it, which which told me a lot about him as a, as a competitive kid. So um, I, I think teams like him as well. I think he's a really good football player. Hey, Daniel, I appreciate this. Uh, you were just talking about the 40. I wanted to ask you about uh, uh, Henry Ruggs and just – you know, your evaluation of him overall, and how much do you think an impressive showing, you know, record-breaking showing even, 4-2, 4-2-1, could, could do for his draft stock uh, next uh, couple months? I, I'm, you know, everybody's talked about, you know, who will be the first receiver taken. Is it going to be Judy uh, or is it going to be CeeDee Lamb? I, I actually, I firmly believe Henry Ruggs is in that discussion. Um, I think it's a three-man race to be the first receiver. I think he's going to absolutely fly. Everybody knows it's coming. He's still going to do it. Uh, I think the second number will be a two. I don't know what the third number will be, but he's the closest thing to Tyree Kill that I've seen uh, in a, in a, since Tyree Kill entered the league and just looked like he's been on a different speed than everybody else. Uh, this kid does the same thing. Um, he's he's so sudden off the line of scrimmage. It is instant death uh, for, for corners. He just He's by him and it's over. Um, you can use him on on the jet sweep stuff. You can kick off or use him on kickoff return. Um, I love watching him as a gunner on punt. It shows just how tough he is. And the thing that nobody talks about, I know that the production for these Alabama kids, it's all somewhat limited because it's the best wide receiver core that I've ever seen in college football. 
because as good as these kids are uh, with Ruggs and and, uh, and Judy, when you watch 17 uh, Waddle, who's good, who wasn't draft eligible, I mean that dude mm-hmm. is a freak. He can fly. Uh, Devontae Smith, you know, a lot of us were surprised he didn't come out. He's a, he's a burner. They got four legit first round players at the receiver position. So some of the production isn't doesn't blow you away. Um, but Ruggs only dropped one ball. A lot of times when you get these speed guys, um, you get inconsistent hands. This kid's got great hands, and he can fly. Now, he's not as nearly as polished um, when you're talking about his teammate and Jerry Judy as a route runner, but I'm willing to bet if you pulled, if you went and pulled the 32 defensive coordinators in the NFL and you gave them the video of the top three receivers and said, which one of these guys do you not want in your division, I'd be willing to, I'd be willing to bet a lot of money that Henry Ruggs would get the most votes. Uh, that's the guy that you do not want to face, and that's why I believe uh, it's not over of who's going to be the first receiver. It's not a two-man race. It's a three-man race. Hey, Daniel. I want to ask you about Canadians. I know you've talked a lot about Neville Gallimore, but does he sneak into the first round, and if so, how? And also, what are your takes on Notre Dame receiver Chase Claypool and Ohio UQB Nathan Rourke? Sure. Uh, well, I haven't done the Ohio QB yet, so I don't think he's, uh, he's going to the combine, so I've got to... I'll eventually get to him. Um, Gallimore, yeah, he's got a chance. To, he's got a chance to get in the first round. I have him outside the first round. I have him in the second. Um, but as I mentioned, he's going to test. Uh, he's going to test incredibly well, and and that'll generate some buzz and and uh, potentially get him in that discussion. Uh, I did not think he played to the consistency of a first round pick, um, but the uh, the upside and athleticism again, it's off the charts. So um, it's all there. The potential there for him to be a first round pick. Uh, Claypool, uh, Claypool is another one of these receivers that's it's just so big and strong and physical. He's a 50-50 ball guy. Um, that's kind of uh, you know that's his specialty. The, the the tough part when you watch the tape, he gets open a lot and there's there's just some bad throws. Unfortunately, he didn't didn't always get the, the best ball to to deal with there. So um, he's another one who's a gunner on punt. He's very tough, uh, very aggressive. Um, he can really, really wall guys off in the red zone. He's a threat down there. He's just not a full route tree player. In other words, he's not going to be efficient running every route that you would have in your playbook, and that's going to that's going to take a little bit more time for him to develop. But I mean, the guy's six four and change, two hundred and twenty nine pounds, um, who has that type of toughness. So um, he's he's a really good player, and I think he's in this year's draft. He's probably in the third, fourth round range because of just the the sheer depth in the class. I, I was I was at the Senior Bowl. Was curious to see how he would do um, with there with Michael Pittman, and uh, that was kind of the the two guys I wanted to really see how they would uh, compare. And uh, and I thought Pittman was a little bit better than him early in the week. You know, Pittman got hurt, and ironically, the the, the receiver I wasn't you know I didn't have quite in that class was Antonio Gandy Golden from Liberty, and I thought I thought he ended up outplaying both those guys. Uh, during the week at the Senior Bowl, who's a big, big athletic receiver from Liberty. So it just speaks to the depth of this class that a guy like Chase Claypool you know, has a chance to, to, to be there potentially in the fourth round. So uh, no fault of his own. Just a, It's just an incredible group. That's great. Thanks, Daniel. Hi, Daniel. Uh, what do you think will be available for the Steelers at 49 when they finally pick? Do you think it will be skill position, and what players do you see among them? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, trying to figure out what's going to be there um, – at that point in time, when I look at the needs uh, for the Steelers, trying to find an edge rusher at that point in time, 
you know, an interesting, you know, I put edge rusher. You could also look offensive line, tight end, a couple different directions there. Uh, but if you're looking for, you know, just take one one at a time here. If you're looking for edge rushers, um, at Jonathan Greenard from Florida, um, who can stand up, stands up off the edge. He's got he's got a nice get off. Um, he's he's uh, really good with his hands. He likes kind of he'll push and pull, uh, do those things. Uh, very athletic. The 80 yard fumble return when I was watching the Vandy game. Um, but again, he, he's got some real twitch and he's real fluid. He can bend at the top of his rush. He's somebody in that second round range. Curtis Weaver. Uh, teams are all over the place on him from Boise State because he doesn't have a, a good, you know, a typical body type you would see for an edge rusher. Um, he carries a little bit of uh, extra weight. Um, he doesn't have a great get-off, but he's somebody with a tremendous amount of wiggle um, as a rusher, and he's a finisher. He's, he's very productive, can change directions. I don't think he'll test very well, um, so he could kind of be in that range. Uh, one more name I would give you would be, uh, would be a guy like Daryl Taylor from Tennessee, who's got... Uh, really, if you watch him in 2018, is a first-round type player. Uh, was not healthy at all this year, but uh, really, really dynamic, explosive. He's got a stutter bull move. He can really knock you back. He's got a, a really high ceiling, uh, but the injuries I think will knock him down a peg. So um, he could be in the mix there in that in that group at that point in time. And then the tight ends, I feel like we've kind of gone over them. Um, you know, I think you'd, there's a chance at that point in time you might have a. Uh, you know, a, a chance that it, maybe it's, uh, it's Harrison Bryant or, or Troutman there from Dayton would uh, would be opportunities for them uh, there at the tight end position, and then interior offensive line. Last one, uh, some opportunities for them at that point in time. Uh, look, I I think you look at a guy like Robert Hunt from Louisiana Lafayette. He played tackle, but I think he's going to be a guard. He's really really explosive. He's got upper torque. He just collects a ton of knockdowns. Um, football intelligence is just okay, but there's there's a lot to work with with him, and I think he's he'd, he'd be an example. Damian Lewis, another one from LSU, would be another uh, interior player that would factor into that portion of the draft. Hi, Daniel. Thanks again for your time. I wanted to go back to the idea of new coaches, like you spoke about that rule. When you look at Mike McCarthy coming to Dallas, how much do you anticipate a new coach changing the Cowboys' draft style from what they, we've seen in the past five or ten years? Yeah, I don't know that it will. I don't know that it will have uh, that much of an impact on on the draft in terms of what they're trying to do draft wise. There, um, I think a lot of the same things that he believes in um, and what they had success with there in Green Bay. I think a lot of that is is in place there with Dallas. I think Dallas has done a good job, um, you know, identifying and, and collecting talent. Um, you know, I would say. You know, run after catch has always been a big part of the receiving core, um, and I think depending on what happens with Amari Cooper, you know, trying to find somebody uh, that can run after catch, they've always valued guys that could return uh, in Green Bay. That's kind of their, you know, that goes back to Ted Thompson, you know, finding receivers that have return skills. Um, so, like a guy that a great fit in that offense would be a guy like Van Jefferson from Florida um, as a receiver, who's I compared him to Cooper Cup. Um, he's just a really polished route runner with strong hands, um, and uh, he's another one. Gosh, another one of these guys. It's a gunner on punt, so another tough kid, um, but really good after the catch. K.J. Hill uh, would be another receiver uh, who's uh, just a really uh, crisp route runner and uh, and just a really good after the catch guy. So uh, those those types of receivers I think would make sense with, with what McCartney's had success with. Thank you. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. 
Think of all the amazing things in life that are expressions of you, your favorite football team, what you wear to the playoff watch party, that song that you stream over and over to get you pumped up for the gym, or the recommendations that you share with your friends on the top six comedy podcasts that are best to listen to on a long road trip, or even your new haircut, which may or may not be an epic ball cut from the 90s and hopefully is. Everything that makes you, you makes all the difference. State Farm believes insurance should work the same way. Your plan, your coverage selections can be personalized by you. And the ability to choose the plan you want by picking the options that fit you, like choosing to bundle your home and auto policies, is what the State Farm personal price plan is all about. Getting the coverage you want at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. All right, guys, and that's going to wrap it up. Daniel Jeremiah spent uh, over an hour and a half talking with media members, fielding as many questions as he could. It was amazing. It was a great opportunity to listen to him talk and listen to him drop some insights about what's about to go down in Indianapolis. As you guys all get ready to watch it, we get ready to watch it. Everybody gets ready. Their eyes are on Indianapolis and what these prospects are going to do ahead of the NFL draft. And then, of course, guys, after the scouting combine, we've got uh, NFL free agency. So big things happening in the NFL world, big things about to come up. So of course, keep it tuned right here to the Locked On Bucks podcast. Find everything that James and I are writing about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the NFL draft over at BucksNation.com on Twitter at Bucks underscore nation. Follow me at DH82 underscore Bucks. Follow James at JYarko underscore Bucks. Follow the show at Locked On Bucks. And uh, guys, we'll be back with you tomorrow about our own thoughts about the NFL scouting combine as the annual event gets kicked off there in Indianapolis. So please come back until we talk again next time. Thank you so much for joining me right here at Locked On Bucks. Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.